If you were deconstructing, your grandma might blame it on the devil. And you might think she's crazy, but don't count out her explanation just yet. But even if you aren't deconstructing, you might know someone who is, and everybody should be aware of the schemes of the devil. Well, we look at five tactics of the evil one on today's episode of Christianity Still Makes Sense. In one of C.S. Lewis's most popular books, The Screwtape Letters, first published in 1942, Lewis chronicles the story of Screwtape, a senior demon who, through a series of letters, seeks to mentor his nephew and junior tempter, Wormwood. The satire unfolds as Wormwood attempts to secure the damnation of a British man named Patient. Throughout the various 31 letters written by Screwtape, Wormwood is taught a plethora of tactics to accomplish his mission of incinerating the faith of the one named Patient. Obviously, behind the scenes of it all exists a father, the devil, whom Lewis hardly mentions in the Screwtape letters. However, the point is clear. Satan is a master student, an evil conniving spirit being who studies our every move with one firm resolve, to get us to abandon God. And if we won't do that, then at least he gets us to live as if God makes little difference to our lives. Yes, Satan, the cunning deceiver, doesn't care how you live so long as you don't live for God. And as I speak, Satan, along with his minions, are mustering up ways to bring you down, apostate style. Get ready to meet Satan, your most cunning student. Well, Bobby, we are doing a three-part series on the reality of spiritual warfare and its direct conflict with Satan. Talk to us a little bit about where you see that spiritual warfare playing out in today's culture and a little bit about what we mentioned on the first episode in this series. Tim, so last week on the show, uh, we started to break the ice on the topic of spiritual warfare, and we even addressed some of the areas that we see it hot in our culture. Uh, through Hollywood, through the Exorcist Files, uh, you know, the podcast that we talked about, through Sam Smith performing as Satan uh, recently, and that getting lots of attention. There seems to be a belief in the unseen realm mm. that is gaining traction. Uh, you think about the new atheism movement, and it looked for a season as if atheism might win the day. And isn't right. it interesting just to see, uh, you know, atheism kind of in the back seat again, it didn't produce a whole lot of statistics, uh, statistical growth, uh, the rise of the new atheism. And you don't hear much about them anymore. But now what we're hearing about is a lot of spiritual warfare stuff. And so last week, as we talked about that, I shared about a tape that was very influential in my life that, uh, showed up in the mail of a lady uh, who was telling me, I think you're going through spiritual warfare. When I was a young man, new Christian, and she tried to explain a little bit about spiritual warfare to me. And she said this cassette tape showed up at her house that she never ordered. And it was a tape entitled Spiritual Warfare by Pastor Brian Broderson. And here I received this tape in my early 20s. And God used that tape in such amazing ways as Pastor Brian shared five tactics that the evil one uses to basically, he didn't use this term, but to deconstruct us. And, you know, that's what Satan wants to do is bring us to unbelief. And so he talked about doubt, fear, condemnation, evil thoughts and temptation, depression, and how it can hammer us. And so we kind of just left off the program saying, let's dive into these a little bit more uh, the following week. But I shared how cool it was. Little did I know that I would be working with Pastor Brian on 
Pastor's Perspective radio show. And I got to share that story with them some 25 years after the event. And God used that story to just knit our hearts together. And here now we're in ministry together. So it's so cool how God works full circle on things. That is great. So now set the table for us a little bit, and let's begin by unpacking that first tactic, doubt. Sure. Uh, This is where it all began, right, Tim? Uh, Satan's three words in the garden to Eve, has God said? Uh, The Bible has a lot to say about doubt, and Satan is a master at twisting God's word, and that's why we must know it. You can't discern truth from error if you don't know the truth. And so Satan wants to weigh us down with doubt. He wants to deconstruct people out of belief and into doubt. In fact, listen to the story I received many years ago from a teen doubter uh, we'll call Jan. She writes to me and she says, hello, my name is Jan Doe. I'm a 17 year old Christian. I've been a Christian for many, many years. I've always had God inside of me keeping me comforted. There's always been that comfort inside of me. But lately, I've been in what I would like to call a crisis of belief. I've been having doubts in my head about the Bible and what it says. For example, how is it physically possible for one to rise from the dead? Is it really God or is it all in my head? Why isn't God there to help me when I really need him? Doesn't the Bible have scripture saying that he will help? Sometimes the doubts are statements that electrocute my mind and belief, such as you are wasting your time or you are believing a fantasy and it's only a part of your brain that makes you believe. But it's not like I want to believe these doubts because when I think of them, something burns in my heart and mind. My depression, it begins to act up really bad. Lately, I've had many anxiety attacks about it, along with other stress. It's not helpful when atheists surround me in my school, too. There really aren't many people I can ask for help. So I'm asking you, what do I do because I'm scared to say I'm lost? Wow. Can you sense her agony, her emptiness, her confusion? And to our listeners, I'd say perhaps her agony is your agony. And if you're comfortable, let us know in the comment section if you can relate. And oh, how I wish I could have removed the splinter from Jan's mind, because that's what doubt is. It's a splinter in the mind that splits the minds. It makes us double-minded. And I would say, you know, as it relates to Jan, I wrote her back, Tim, afterwards, but sadly, I never heard back. I don't know what ended up Uh, becoming of her questions and her doubts, whether or not she ever found her way back to the Lord to find reprieve or she ended up an apostate, I just don't know. Uh, But I'd say doubt can be hard to shake, and especially when the evil one is behind it. Uh, Ambrose Beers, uh, the late satirist, once said, when you doubt, abstain. Yeah, well, don't we all wish it was that easy? It's just not, right? Yeah. So that's why we need to remember Jude's words to us. Be merciful to those who doubt. Well, that is a great reminder for sure. And that said, let's move on to our second of the five tactics the evil one uses to war against us, namely fear. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 2 Timothy 1 says, 7 says, uh, for God did not give us a spirit of fear, but a spirit of power and love and self-control. If we're overcome with the spirit of fear, the source could be satanic in origin. 
What do we know about fear? I mean, it's paralyzing for one thing. I mean, and that's Satan's goal, right? He wants to spiritually paralyze us, ultimately deconstruct us right out of belief. Think about the disciples. You know, what did they do on the night Jesus was betrayed? They ran in fear. Uh, Peter even denied Jesus on three different occasions. Uh, The enemy was at work. That's why Jesus told them to pray. Satan Mm -hmm. uses fear, especially as it relates to sharing the gospel. The last things he... The last thing he wants us doing is telling others about Jesus. And overall, fear can just be flat out overwhelming. And if we aren't aware and careful, we can start collecting fears like baseball cards. I mean, uh, that's not a collection you want, Tim, right? uh, You can fear flying on an airplane or suffer a fear of driving or have a fear of germs, of losing a loved one. But then Satan whispers in your ear. Uh, you know, this is the last time you're going to see her, your loved one. It paralyzes us. It also causes us to try to control outcomes. So instead of living on the edge and trusting God, we become stuck in our fears, trying to control the things that we fear happening. And so that's no way to live. And it's important for us as believers to just have our eyes open to tactics that the evil one leverages to create fear in us in order to paralyze us and ultimately just inviscerate our faith. Exactly. Well, Bobby, that's so true. And before you get to the next tactic, I just want to remind our audience, if you are finding this valuable, we would love for you to to subscribe to our YouTube channel. You can find it youtube.com slash Christianity still makes sense. Or you can check this uh, episode out as an audio only podcast and listen to it over and over and over again. And we would ask that if this is helping you to maybe share it with someone that is deconstructing, someone that is doubting their faith. Well, with that, let's dive back in. Bobby, the third tactic is content condemnation. Unpack this for us. Yeah, condemnation, Tim, is an emotion that says, I've blown it too much to receive Mm. God's grace. In fact, I wonder if our audience has ever felt that way. If so, let us know in the comments. But I know that I've felt that. It's that feeling of just utter shame and unworthiness uh, and feeling like we can't even, you know, come into the presence of God. It's a feeling you get generally after failure, mm-hmm. after blowing it, after sin. And yet the Bible says, who is it who condemns? It's not Christ Jesus, right? Satan is so intentional in this that I've literally had people call the radio show, uh, Pastor's Perspective, worried that they committed blasphemy of the mm-hmm. Holy Spirit, to which we always let them know if they did commit blasphemy of the Holy Spirit, they wouldn't be worried that they committed blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. So we need to remember that Satan, you know, it means accuser. And that's what he does. He condemns, he accuses, he blames. Uh, Romans 8, 1 is good medicine for us to remember. It says that there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So there's a difference, Tim, between condemnation and conviction. As it's been said before, condemnation causes you to run away from the Lord, whereas conviction causes you to run toward the Lord. Well, I I quickly want to remind our audience, once again, you just mentioned uh, Satan being the accuser. You've done several little shorts about who Satan is and what some of his tactics are that people can find on our YouTube channel as well. Just they're quick little one minute uh, snippets that people can check out and, and again, share to kind of get some refreshers on this. So as we continue moving through Satan's tactics, we are now on to the fourth one, evil thoughts 
and temptation. Yes. And one thing we can know is, um, you know, all temptation will include evil thoughts. Hmm. Um, I would say it's possible that we have evil thoughts in and of ourselves that aren't rooted in Satan as the tempter. Uh, but when Satan comes to tempt us, it's going to include thoughts that run contrary to what God would want us thinking. Sometimes it's hard to distinguish our own evil thoughts from Satan's. Uh, how can we tell the difference? Well, we can ask if we enjoy these thoughts or not. If we're entertaining it, uh, then we are certainly part of the problem. But if we hate the temptation and don't want any part of it, then let it go, as it's been said, because it's not yours. Temptation, unfortunately, is just a part of life here on earth, and it's not easy. But as Martin Luther, the Protestant reformer, uh, once said, uh, offering some sound counsel, he says, you, can, you can't stop a bird from flying over your head, but you can prevent it from building a nest. I think that's some helpful advice. Like, you know, we can't prevent temptations from coming our way, but we certainly can prevent from acting out on temptation. Yeah. James 4, 7 gives us sound advice. Submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Mm. So we are to resist him. In 2 Corinthians 10, 5, we're told, take every thought captive in order to make it obedient to Christ. So we must be mindful of the thoughts that are coursing through our mind. And finally, as 1 Corinthians 10, 13 says, which was the first verse I ever memorized, no temptation has overtaken you. That is common to man. For God is faithful and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation, he will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. Well, let's move on to the fifth uh, tactic that Pastor Brian Broderson discussed, which was depression. Talk to us a little bit about this, Bobby. That's right. And that's exactly uh, what Satan wants is to bring us to utter despair. Yeah. You know, for us to end it all. I mean, hey, let's deconstruct you out of belief altogether. And then yeah. let's just get you to off yourself. Like just yeah. get rid of life. Life's not worth living. And this is the worst of it because it means we've been brought to a place of hopelessness. And this is where Job ended up for a season in hopelessness. Charles Spurgeon, the 19th century prince of preachers, he suffered from depression as well. In fact, a deacon had to take him out of town from time to time so he could square himself away. Uh, this was uh, where I ended up in the midst of my spiritual warfare that I alluded to last week, uh, losing lots of weight, thinking I was dying. You know, when I got this tape that Pastor Brian uh, of his message, it was really helpful because it allowed me to open my eyes to what was going on. And so there could be people out here listening right now that they're depressed. They've been fighting. They've been fighting doubts. They've been fighting fears. They're feeling just utter shame because of condemnation. Their their mind is racked with evil thoughts and temptation. And they they just find themselves listening and they're depressed. And maybe they don't want to live any longer. Maybe they just want to end it. Maybe they feel abandoned by God. But I want them to find encouragement like I did uh, through a message many years ago to, to know that Open your eyes. Don't let the evil one have his way. He wants you depressed. He wants you in doubt. He wants you in fears. He wants you to be loaded up with temptation. He wants you to feel condemned. But God is with you. Walk out of this. Open your eyes. Realize you're in a war and know that, you know, 
if the son can set you free, which he can, uh, then turn to him because that's what Jesus came for, for freedom. And so don't live in these chains. Don't live in this bondage. Learn how to fight. Don't give up is what I'd say, Tim. Yeah, amen to that. And and Bobby, you are speaking out of uh, experience with some of these things. With doubt, you wrote a whole book on doubt. You've experienced some of the depression that you're talking about. So you're not talking about it from kind of a clinical, oh, I've observed this or I've read about it. You've experienced some of these things. So th- those were the five you know kind of tactics that Brian laid out. Are there any tactics that just from your own experience that you might add to that uh, in, in in your you know daily walk? Sure. Um, you know, in, in a lot of ways, <clears throat> that's the thing about life. I mean, I never understood so much of, man, why does life have to hurt so bad? I mean, in a lot of ways, for many of my years of uh, living, I, I, f- I felt like a tortured soul. Hmm. And, uh, and I hate it, you know, and I, I can relate to the spiritual warfare. And I have written a book on doubt and and I am a recovering alcoholic and I do know what it was like to have a relapse after 23 years. And I mean, life can be challenging, but what I've realized is, um, you know, God meets us in all that pain. He's met me in that pain. He'll meet you in that pain. And, and he's not finished with us. You know, he doesn't want us to throw the towel on the towel in on him. He hasn't thrown the towel in on us. He just wants us to depend on him. Yeah. And I think that is so encouraging because God takes our pain. And he uses it in great ways uh, to help people. And so I just want people to know that God can repurpose their pain. But I would say Satan wants to use whatever he can, Tim. He'll use false teaching. He'll use lies, deceit, defeat, tiredness, shrinking our desires for God. He'll offer unethical promotions. Uh, That's why uh, we got to always remain alert. We can't drop our guards. Uh, I shared last week, you know, about the angel shark. And we want to remember uh, how the evil one works. I remember reading the story about a lady who had a pet snake. Two words that don't fit well together for me, pet and snake. snake. I hate snakes. Uh, if you thought Indiana Jones was bad, I'm worse. And so uh, this lady grew concerned for her pet snake. So she went to inquire uh, the vet and said, you know, I'm, I don't know what's going on. My snake's not eating. And the vet asked the question back, well, um, by any chance, do you let your snake sleep with you? And the lady was shocked that the vet said that. And she said, well, actually, yes, I do. And the vet said, the reason your snake isn't eating is because it is starving itself as it lies next to you and it's studying you so that it can figure out a way how to consume you. So I would say Satan, like the snake, while we sleep, he studies us and he's trying to figure out how to consume us. And so we need to open our eyes to him. That's frightening. That's a frightening story. Seriously, I'm I'm with you on on the snake thing. I I opened up our pool uh, cover uh, uh, last oh. week, and there was this a little itty bitty tiny snake in there. And I I I am not a fan of snakes either. Did I'm you right go get Jen? I did not. I did not. I, I I I took care of it myself. It was small enough that I I could do. Although I didn't chop the head off the snake like you have done in the past. Yes. So, uh, but uh, maybe that story gave our audience chills as well. But as we conclude, why don't you give us a little bit of a sneak peek about what we're going to talk about on our final episode in this spiritual warfare series? 
Absolutely, Tim. Next week, we're going to discuss how we can uh, guard ourselves against these tactics that we've discussed. In particular, we unfolded five that Pastor Brian shared, and then I just alluded to there's several other tactics, right, that we can discuss. But how do we defend ourselves? Well, we do so uh, with the armor of God, and we're going to learn about that, what Ephesians 6 has to say. So today, we discuss the enemy's battle plan, but next week, uh, we're going to learn our own and think about how silly, Tim, it would be for us to go to war knowing the plan of our enemy, but having no plan of our own. Next week, we're going to lay that out, so be sure to tune in. Yeah, and I find that so interesting that so many people are kind of asking some of these big questions. I'll, I'll allude back to that letter that you got from from Jane. She asked some really solid questions in that letter, and I'm just wondering, you know, maybe what her spiritual walk was like, what her spiritual experience was like, what the teaching that she got at her church, or you know, in a Sunday school or in a small group in her youth group, uh, to be able to help answer some of those questions. So, in our our last few remaining minutes, maybe you can uh, you know just touch on how to equip maybe leaders or or other people that are in these doubts in order to be able to, to help them answer some of these big questions as they come up? I think one of the thing is, is uh, to remember to take heed when we think that we're strong, lest we fall. Yeah. Uh, that, therefore, again, the Bible says, be merciful to those who doubt. Um, consider the fact that if somebody's sharing their doubts with you, that they're entrusting a piece of themselves to you. Uh, it's called vulnerability. So if somebody opens up with us and they're vulnerable to share, um, they're entrusting us with a part of themselves and they're being vulnerable. And so to shame somebody for doubts, uh, I mean, a lot of times people just read a book and they're not out to just try to doubt God. They just don't know how to process some of the objections that they're up against. And so I would say, um, listen to what somebody has uh, to say, validate them. If you don't know the answer, uh, don't make something up. Don't freak out. Just say, hey, I'd, I'd like to enter into this journey with you. We could try to track down some of these answers. And then if you've ever had your own doubts, look to share what that was like in your own life and how God helped you to process through that. And I would say that could be just a great way to you know, connect with somebody without burning a, a relational bridge when they open up. Well, and I'll, I'll echo that. I mean, the times in my life where I've doubted having a mentor, having a pastor friend, having somebody, uh, you know, such as yourself to be able to sit down and be open and ask those questions was life changing. It, it gave the opportunity to bring those questions and say, I don't have an answer and them doing exactly what you just suggested and saying, well, let's work this, let, let's work through this together. And so I remember bringing articles or videos or questions that I was having uh, in a conversation with somebody saying, I don't know how to answer this. And, and they were willing to just kind of walk with me through that. So any parting words to our audience as we wrap up today? I, I would want to say, I remember having the opportunity that I decapitated a rattlesnake that was climbing into uh, a rug in my garage mm. and I took the head on the shovel and the body was also on the shovel and that body was slithering next to the decapitated head and the decapitated head was sitting there by itself just biting away and then it eventually felt its body bump into its head and it bit its own body and then dropped dead. Well, that's like Satan. He causes a lot of havoc in the meantime but he's been decapitated. Jesus has finished his work on the cross, and it's just a matter of time before he ultimately croaks out. 
amen to that. I appreciate your insight. And with that, if you found this episode helpful, we have several other episodes of Christianity Still Makes Sense on our YouTube channel. It's in a playlist. You can find it on our website as well, ChristianityStillMakesSense.com. And if you enjoyed this episode, you can help support this episode by or support this ministry by liking our videos, by subscribing to our YouTube channel. And with that, we will meet you next time on Christianity Still Makes Sense. Thank you for checking out this episode of Christianity Still Makes Sense. This show is just one of the many resources available to those who are doubting their Christian faith. You can also find others at ChristianityStillMakesSense.com. This is a listener-supported show, and your gift of any amount helps shows like this continue. Click on the donate link on our website. Also, catch Bobby on Pastor's Perspective, where he answers your questions. Finally, if you're watching on YouTube, be sure to click subscribe and check out our other videos on the channel. This show was sponsored by K-Wave and Calvary Chapel Costa Mesa.